excited to have Larissa team teaching with me today. So would you welcome her this morning? Uh, if you're new to Connect or if you're back after being away for a while, uh, what we've been doing for the last few months is developing a teaching team between our campus here in Bozeman and our campus in Great Falls. And there's five of us that work on developing our messages for Sundays, and Larissa's one of them. And uh, Larissa team teaches with me here. Pastor Bob team teaches with Bruce in Great Falls. And uh, we just think that working together and collaborating and teamwork makes us better. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Larissa. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're in our second message of this Christmas season that we're calling Christmas. And uh, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that we talked about what the word Christmas means. And we're doing a little bit of a play on that moss part in acknowledgement that in Spanish, moss means more. And uh, we just had a vision that this Christmas, as connectors, uh, we would be able to see more of Jesus in our community, more of Jesus in our lives, and more of Jesus in our whole Christmas celebration. And so that's kind of what we've been focusing on. We've been talking about Christ, who Christ is, and uh, what, what being a Christ follower means at Christmas time. And so last week we talked about uh, Christ being the promised one. And today we're talking about Christ being the present one. And uh, that's kind of where we're going uh, this morning. Uh, as you know, I love Christmas. I think most of us do. Uh, it's kind of fun for me to just mill around the room and talk to everybody and, and everybody's eyes light up. Uh, we, we just love Christmas. Um, as Christians, I think we especially love Christmas. But uh, as Americans, we love Christmas and there's so much uh, that, we, that we do to celebrate Christmas. Uh, last week, we had a video that I shared with you, the comedian Chris Rock talking about Christmas. And uh, somebody said to me this week, it's probably the only time you'll ever hear Chris Rock in a church. And, and that's true. He doesn't claim to be a Christ follower, but the message of this video was pretty, was pretty clear that, that even as somebody who doesn't know Jesus, he knows that what Christmas has become doesn't really reflect the values of Jesus very clearly. And, uh, and we talked about that this week, but still, I think as Christians, we, we know that there should be so much more, but we still get caught up in all of it, don't we? And, and I'm certainly one of those people. Uh, I love decorating the house, and Chris and I have lots of things that we decorate with. Larissa was over at our house last night. She came over for dinner, and we were putting the finishing touches on our teaching this morning. And uh, after dinner, she was sitting at our, at our counter, and she said, it just smells like Christmas in here. And uh, I tried to lead her to believe that it was the Christmas tree that smelled like Christmas, uh, but it wasn't. It was the... Glade plug-in. <laughs> hey, I love the plug-in, right? And, uh, and, and Chris and I, you know, when we were first married, we had all these romantic notions of what we wanted Christmas to be like every year. And one of our big romantic notions was uh, we wanted to go out in the mountains of Montana and cut down our own Christmas tree and put it up. And that was really, really important to us. How many of you do that? Uh, you, you go out and cut your own. Okay. It, it just makes us Montanans, right? Well, Chris and I did it year after year after year, and we have had so many Christmas tree disasters that last year we went to Walmart and bought a fake Christmas tree, and that's what's going up now. How many of you have graduated from real Christmas trees to fake? See, we're in the majority, right? And uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why. Here's, here's, 
here's why. Uh, when we first moved to the Gallatin Valley, we were looking for a place to uh, cut Christmas trees, and we drove up Little Bear, and, and we were heading up there. We'd seen some real nice Christmas trees up there during the summer when we were huckleberry picking, and, uh, and so we uh, went back to, to find our tree, and we got stuck in my four-wheel drive truck three times on that trail. And that was the last time we came home without a tree. That year, we didn't even have a Christmas tree. I was so mad at that road and my <laughs> pathetic truck. Uh, and then last year, we, we finally bought a fake tree. But that's not the only time we've had a Christmas tree disaster. I will never forget one year, we went up uh, in the Kings Hill area. We went up and cut down a beautiful tree. And we'll trounce around in the snow for hours until we find exactly the perfect tree. And we found this beautiful little tree. We brought it home, set it up in our living room, got all the, all the lights on it, got it all decorated. And as it was warming up and acclimating to our home, it began emitting this foul foul, foul, foul smell, and I was convinced that some animal had lifted its leg on that tree, and the whole Christmas season, our house did not smell like a Glade (laughs) plug-in. It smelled like someone who has no control over their cats. Oh, I, I didn't mean that personally in any way. I really, I really didn't. <laughs> in trouble all over I'm the place. That's how we started. So I'm going to be in more trouble. Yeah. Because uh, Stan Dykstra came up to me after, after church. Um, I, I, think, I think I'm okay saying this. I, I don't know, but I, it's just so funny. Because I've told this story for years about this smelly Christmas tree. Stan came up. Stan's got a firewood business here in town, and he sells firewood. He knows all about lumber and everything else. He came up to me, and he said, Russ, that was a subalpine fir you cut down. I said, yes, I know what the species is. He said, do you know what, do you know what lumber people call that, that tree? I said, what? He said, it's piss fir. And he said... <laughs> He said, as soon as you cut it down, it lets out sap that smells terrible. And so there you go. It wasn't an animal after all. And I'm sorry I said that word. Okay, let's jump in. I'm in trouble on so many levels. Moving on to the Bible. Yes, let's let's go to the Bible. Um, He just made me laugh by sharing that story. I, I never knew. I never knew. Glade plugins. Okay. Um, anyway, the point of me sharing this story with you is I, I think as Christians, most of us really hunger for Christmas to be about so much more than chopping down a Christmas tree and decorating the house and, and shopping frenzy and all that stuff. I think we really hunger for it to be about something way more than that. And, and even comedians like Chris Rock know that it should be about more than that. And, and today, Larissa and I are going to share with you how uh, we can follow the example of Jesus in making Christmas so much better for the people in our lives. And I think when we start getting our eyes on people and how we can be Jesus to the people around us, our Christmas will be better, their Christmas will be better. And I hope that today you get some insights that will really help the next few weeks uh, be wonderful times in your life. So uh, we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 1, and Larissa's going to read uh, this first verse, and then we'll go to the book of John. So last week we talked about how Jesus was the promised one, and kind of how I am thinking about this progression, and I'm taking a gamble here. I'm counting on you to all be cool people. Um, 
You know the words that scroll down the screen at the beginning of Star Wars? That's kind of how God is setting this story up. He knows. <laughs> That's kind of how God is setting this story up. And he was telling the Israelites who were, they were kind of the scrawny kid on the playground. Like, they got picked on all the time. If you want to stick with the Star Wars analogy, they're the rebels. And, um, and they needed someone to hope for. They needed somebody who was going to come and fight their battles and, and be on their side. And so the, this is like the very last line in that big scrolling thing at the beginning of the movie. And it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the very last thing that God wants to leave you with in the, in the prequel to the Jesus story is who Jesus is, what he's about. And it's in his name. It means God with us. That's why Jesus came. So from the very beginning, that's Jesus's mission. And we've talked about, last week we talked about how he's the promised one. This week we're talking about how he's the present one. That was his main mission, was to come and be God with us because he wanted to show us who God is. Um, and we've talked, Russ has talked about before how sometimes maybe you've had a long day, maybe you've just had an off day, maybe you've had a terrible day, and you just need somebody to be with you at the end of that, and you don't need to talk to them, you don't need them to fix the problem, you don't need them to make you dinner, you just you need to be with them and to share presence with them and know that you're not alone. And that's what Jesus came to do. And the theological term for, for that, for coming down, is called the incarnation. So Jesus is God incarnate. And that word incarnate means embodied in human form. And if you go back to the Latin and you kind of look at how they put it together, it's a word picture of like putting on skin so that he could come and be with us. He became like us so that he could come and show us what God was like. So the first thing we're going to start with, you know, because this is the message of Christmas. This is what Christmas is about, is God coming down to be with us. But we're going to start with what does that look like? Because how, like, how does God become human? That's kind of a funny concept. So we're going to start in John 1. All right. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to start right at the beginning of John chapter 1, and the verses will be up on the screen if you're not uh, using a Bible this morning, which is fine. Uh, just before we start reading, though, uh, let me give you a little information about the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John is one of the stories of Jesus in the Bible. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's how the New Testament starts. And each one of those books uh, that we call Gospels is a story about Jesus or the story of Jesus written by a different author and told from a different perspective. And uh, John's Gospel is a lot different than the other three. And it's very interesting because he starts his Gospel or he starts his story of Jesus with an introduction and he's really setting up what's important for us to know about Jesus. And if you've never read this passage of scripture before, it may seem a little strange to you, but I want us to unpack it together. And uh, if you're taking notes this morning, there's a list on the first page of your notes. We're going to be filling that out together, and it'll be up on the screen right behind me uh, as we read through John. And, and we want to talk about what John calls the word. So let's start reading right at verse 1 of John chapter 1. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, if you're taking notes and you're making a list along with me, here are the first four things you're going to put on your list. From these verses that we just read, first of all, we learn that the word existed in the beginning. So what John is referring to is clear back at the very beginning of everything, the word was there. Uh, And then secondly, John says the word was with God. And thirdly, he says the word was was God. Now, this may seem a little mysterious if you've never read this chapter before, because how can you be God and be with God? It's kind of an interesting thing that John is saying here, and it goes clear back to the beginning. But we'll unpack that as we keep going. And then fourthly, in these verses we just read, we see that all things were made through him. So the word is a hymn The word is God, the word was with God, and the word was the agent of creation. Everything we see in this world, in this cosmos, everything we see was created by what John calls the word. Now, there's lots of important stuff uh, in in the next few verses, but we're going to jump down to verse 14, where he picks up this idea of the word. And this is what we read in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, three things that you can jot down on your list. First of all, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, This is that word incarnation that Larissa talked about a moment ago, became flesh and dwelt among us. And you actually did a little word study on on this particular phrase this week. That that word dwelt in the Greek is is a word picture and it means pitching a tent. And to the Hebrews, that would have been a big deal because you only pitched a tent if you were intent on being part of the community. It would be, when we were talking last night, um, Chris was in the kitchen and she was kind of listening in. She said, it's like if you moved into the guest room, like you're going to be part of our family, you're going to eat meals with us, you're going to pitch in around the house, you are going to be with us, part of our community. So when it talks about the word becoming flesh and, and pitching a tent or moving into the guest room, that's what we want you to think of that kind of closeness. Mm -hmm. And then John says, we have seen the glory of God's son. So now we're getting an idea of what the word is. It's God's son. And this is the explanation for how he could be God and be with God. This is the theological term, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. And, uh, and then finally, he says this beautiful line, and we're going to spend some time talking about this later on, says the word is full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. And you've probably figured it out by now who John is talking about. John is talking about Jesus, right? How many of you had already guessed that? All right. Excellent. Well done. Uh, the word is Jesus, or Jesus is the word, I, I think is how it is in your, in your notes. And it's really important for us to grasp this. It was important to John 
in, in an introduction to the story of Jesus for us to understand that Jesus is the word. Now, why did he put it this way? Uh, I fundamentally believe that this was an intentional message on John's part to us, the readers, that we would understand that what was important about Jesus wasn't just his teaching, wasn't just what he said, but the word of God, the full revelation of God is completely embodied in everything Jesus said and did and lived. When we talk about Jesus coming and pitching his tent among us, he was revealing to God or revealing to us who God is, not just by telling us about God, but by living the life of God among us. And that's why John says that Jesus is the word of God. It's the full revelation of God to all of us. And uh, we could almost say it like this. What God wants to say to you is captured in the life of Jesus. So when we read in the scriptures about Jesus healing people, that communicates to us that God wants to heal you. Jesus loved people. Jesus wants to love you. Jesus spent time with people. Jesus wants to spend time with you. Jesus was kind and merciful and gracious to people. Jesus wants to be all those things to you. Jesus spoke truth to people. Jesus wants to speak truth to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is the word of God. He's the full embodiment of everything that God is. But now just before John turns to the story of Jesus in more story form, he has one more thing to say in verse 18. And he says this, no one has ever seen God The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And that's a little hard to understand in this translation. So let me rephrase it kind of with my own words. It it means this. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, or Jesus, is very close to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. This is the last thing you can put on your list here this morning. Uh, The word has revealed God to us. So again, Jesus is the word. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the present one. And his purpose, friends, is to reveal God to us by being God with us. Let me illustrate it this way. I have a a niece who is a student here at MSU in Bozeman, and uh, she's in her fourth year here at MSU, and uh, I remember very clearly when she came to MSU as a freshman, uh, it it was a pretty big deal as it is for most students that move away from mom and dad and and come to a college in a strange town. And Jessica was very excited to come to Bozeman knowing that she had relatives here, uh, Chris and myself. And so in that first year in particular, she spent a lot of time with us, and we'd invite her over uh, for, for dinner and whatnot. And uh, I remember one night in particular, she had just broken up with her boyfriend and she was pretty emotional about the whole thing. And so Annie Chrissy invited her over for her famous healing tacos. And um, if you've ever had a broken heart and Chris has offered you her healing tacos, they're truly miraculous. And so uh, Jessica came over for healing tacos and, and we spent the evening with her. And, and, and over that first year, I can remember 
uh, many times Jessica hanging out with us. And, you know, Chris and I are just kind of goofy people and we're silly and we joke and we tease. And uh, if we have an argument, we don't ever hide it from anybody. We argue in front of our friends. I mean, we're just kind of out there kind of people, you know. And, uh, and Jessica would look at us and she'd say, you guys are so cute. And, and I'm kind of like, ew, I don't want to be cute. What's that mean? And, and, uh, and she'd say, well, I just never knew you were like this. And over that first year, it was like she was on this discovery of who her Uncle Russ and Annie Chrissy were. And, and it was kind of interesting because here's a young woman who's been a part of our lives for 18 years at that time. Uh, we'd been to every birthday party. We spent holidays together. I mean, we were family, right? So Chris and I assumed that she knew who we were. But it was all different for her once she was staying in our home and having meals with us on a regular basis and attending Connect Church. And she just saw us in a completely new way than she had ever seen us before at formal family gatherings. Uh, She had seen the real Russ and Chris by hanging out with us. This is what Jesus was doing for us by coming in human form. Because you see, the Jewish people had the Torah They had the Old Testament. Moses had gone up on on the mountain, came down with the Ten Commandments. God had spoken in written form to the people. The prophets had spoken on behalf of God. The, The Jewish people believed they really knew God well, but they didn't really get a full understanding of who God was until Jesus came and lived with them. And who we know God to be today is completely different because Jesus came and revealed God to us. So Jesus is the present one. Jesus is the present one. And I want to do something really kind of silly with this line, Jesus being the present one. That word present tells us that Jesus is with us. But in the English language, the word present also means a gift, right? So I'm going to be really geeky here and say not only is Jesus with us, but he's a gift to us as well, right? Now I want to warn you, those of you that are Bible scholars, okay, seminary told me don't ever do things like this, okay? Because this is a play on English words. I'm completely corrupting scripture. I apologize, you theologians out there. But we can see some pretty cool things here, and this is kind of where we want to go in applying the scripture Uh, today, all right? Jesus is with us, but he also gives us gifts. And I want you to go back and look at that list that we made earlier. And I want you to see that he gives us several gifts just in who he is. He gives us grace. He gives us truth. And he gives us a clear understanding of who God is. These are all gifts. They're his character. They're his attributes, but they're gifts to us. And and what I want you to leave with today is this. The big idea of today's message is this. I can be a gift this Christmas just like Jesus is a gift. To all the people in my world, my family members, uh, my coworkers, my, my classmates, I can be a gift to them to Christmas, this Christmas by being present with them and giving them the same kind of gifts that Jesus gives to me. Uh, but the problem is some people are really terrible at giving presents to other people. And uh, we're going to talk about how giving, giving the gifts of our presents in just a moment. But first of all, uh, 
Don't be like some of these gift givers. Take a look at this video. Uh, I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put a, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents. And a lot of the kids, surprisingly, reacted poorly to that. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> 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 a battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it! I'll eat it! What is it? Toothpaste! <laughs> what are these? Oh. Deodorant! What's deodorant? Keeps your armpits sure. smelling good. She's gonna get here. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? Uh-huh. <laughs> what? What is it? Well, why'd you throw it on the floor? It's a Barbie!
Kimmel. Ah! <laughs> All right, well, thanks, everyone. Sorry, no problem. <laughs> oh, I've watched that five or six times, and it makes me laugh. Still, the little kid with the potato is my favorite. Yeah. So we're going to finish out the teaching time with a couple of tips on how not to be the human equivalent of a half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich this season. Um, The first thing we want to talk about is give the gift of grace. And to kind of remind us how big a deal grace is, um, Russ talked about earlier mercy and grace. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. So mercy is the half of the equation where God says, you've screwed up but I'm not going to send you to hell, which is a big deal. But it kind of leaves us in no man's land. Like going to hell, not going to hell is really good, but there's nothing to look forward to. And that's where grace comes in because grace is where God says, put your faith in me. And not only will I not send you to hell, I will let you into heaven. And so it gives you something to look forward to. That's what grace does. And we can give that to people. And I think if you took a survey in uh, in Bozeman or in most places and you asked people to come up with adjectives for what Christians are like, I don't think gracious would be in the top five that you would get. We have not historically been good at giving people grace. Um, we're thought of as self-righteous and judgmental and hypocritical because we don't give what we have received. And... Um, <laughs> For me, grace is a word that shows up a lot, but it's not something that I can very easily, I don't know, we talk about gracious hostesses and we talk about graceful athletes and there's grace notes and music like that word comes up a lot, but I don't really know, I don't know how to give grace. So we went to Philippians 2, 3 through 4, and it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So kind of as an aside, what I don't want you to do when you read this verse is look in the mirror and be filled with self-loathing and be convinced that everyone is better than you. That's not what this is about. This is about having the same attitude that Jesus did when he, from heaven, where he had angels praising him 24-7, and he was with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and he was glorified, looked down and saw our need for salvation, our need for somebody to be God with us, and he put his needs and wants aside, put ours in front, and came down. That's giving grace. It's putting someone else's needs in front of your own. And this time of year especially, I mean, we always have an opportunity to do that, but this time of year especially, you know, at, here at Connect, we've been doing the shoeboxes, we've been doing um, Angel Tree, we've been doing raising money for families here. All around town, the charities are all in overdrive. There's always opportunities. And just with your coworkers, Christmas is a really hard time of year for, for a lot of people. They just feel lonely, and they need somebody to be with them. And you can do that. You can be like Jesus and give them grace. The next thing we want to talk about is uh, giving the gift of truth. And John says in that, in that passage that we read earlier that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And you have to have the two of them together and just let the Holy Spirit be your guide as to when to use truth and when to use grace and when to use them together and kind of how much of each, because um, 
they're both needed. But when you give the gift of truth, you can take God's word, which is incredibly powerful, and you can plant that word in somebody's heart and allow God the opportunity to change them. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. And um, despite all of my wishes to the contrary, I don't actually use swords in my everyday life. So when I read this verse, I think of God's word like a scalpel. And it can be very exact and precise, and it can cut exactly where it needs to in somebody's life, and it can get to the heart of the issue very quickly. So that's the potential of God's word when we give the gift of truth. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we use it more like a club than a scalpel. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was <laughs> reading this week, I thought of kind of a, an actual thing that I used to do that's a good picture for what I think we do verbally to people. Um, growing up, I was part of a kid's group called Awana. And you got points for bringing your Bible and your workbook and your uniform and all this stuff. So in an attempt to save herself a little bit of time and to encourage her kids to be organized, my mom would give us all canvas bags to keep all of our Awana stuff together. And because I was a good Baptist girl, I had an NIV study Bible that was thicker than my hand was by the age of six. So in this canvas bag, I have my big study Bible and my workbook and all this stuff. It got pretty heavy. And um, I would walk up to people on Wednesday nights. I didn't have to know them. And um, I would just, I would like spin with this bag out and I would hit them with this bag and I'd shout, hit with the word of God and then run away laughing because I was a pill. But I think sometimes that's what we do verbally. We see someone and we don't even have to know them very well and we go just drop it. We drop the word of God like an atom bomb, and then we walk away thinking that we are God's gift. Isn't that person fortunate that they were hit with the word of God? We had, uh, we had this happen uh, actually this morning. We had a connector come in today very, very upset, and uh, she had been on Facebook this morning, and somebody that she's been praying for for a long period of time, another Christian in another city, had commented on a picture on Facebook and unloaded condemnation and guilt and uh, stuff in a public forum, Facebook. I mean, listen, if you, want to, if you want to confront somebody with truth, Facebook is not the place to do it, where people feel shamed and embarrassed and exposed. Um, it's, just, it's just not... I don't, I don't think that's the way Jesus did no. things. That's not well, how we and, see Jesus And things. if you look at the whole picture, which you have to do when, when you're studying the word of God, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so you have to, when, when you're giving truth to somebody, you have to let God tell you how to give that to them. And then Jesus didn't walk away. I mean, this, this whole time we've been talking about how he's God with us. And so even if he did drop something heavy on somebody, I mean, if you read the story of the woman at the well, he was very gentle, but he was confronting her with some pretty big stuff, but he stayed there. And that you have to walk with people. You have to kind of earn the right to speak into their life, to give the gift of truth. And that's we talk about Jesus being the present one, and that's what makes him able to give us the gift of his character. 
And then the last thing that, that we're going to talk about giving is a clear understanding of who God is. And this was Jesus, his, this was his biggest mission, and it's our biggest mission as Christians today because when people understand who God is, that's when they want to be part of the family. And um, Jesus did this most, most effectively by pitching a tent, by being with people. And he taught and he talked and he confronted people. He did all of those things. But if you look at the majority of his life, he was hanging out with the disciples. He was hanging out with people in towns and he was listening to things that were happening in their lives. He was being with people and showing them how God would treat them by being God with them. And um, I have a friend who grew up in a home where her father was constantly threatening to leave the family and the mom was just so at her wits end that she didn't even, she couldn't figure out how to love her kids or give her kids what they needed and it was an abusive house. It was just a really tough way to grow up. And this girl didn't, um, she came to college and she talks about this person that she met in her small group who kind of just decided that, and, and told her, she said, I'm not going anywhere and I don't care if you try to push me away and I don't care if you don't think you're worth it and I don't care, you know, and just listed all, all these things. She said, I'm sticking with you until you get it through your head that God loves you. And to this day, if you ask my friend about this person, she says, they changed the course of my life. I didn't know when, God's, when people talked about God's love, I didn't know what that meant until that person looked me in the eye and said, I'm not going anywhere. And that's the chance, that's the opportunity that we have by being Jesus for people. That's what Jesus does for us. He's God with us. And he shows us the character of God by being who he is. And so when you're on mission this week, Think about what God has shown you about himself this year. Maybe he was faithful and your bills got paid and you still can't figure out how that happened. Or maybe he gave you joy in impossible circumstances. Or maybe he came through for a family member that you've been praying for or a friend. Whatever he showed you about himself, that's the gift that you have to give others. That's what you have to share so that they can start to learn what Jesus is like. And... Um, we're going to play a song in a couple of minutes, and it's been one of my favorite songs since I heard it because it's so honest, and it's written by a guy named Aaron Espy, and um, as far as I know, he's not a Christian. His Wikipedia file says that he grew up, he started playing guitar in church, um, but it, his song is talking about the line that really got me the first time I listened to him. It talks about how some days he doesn't feel like talking to God, he needs somebody out there with a little more skin on him. And that's, that's the call. That's the mission that we have. We get to be that person with a little more skin on him. And so if you're here today and you need to, to be Jesus for somebody, listen to this song because it's what people are asking you to do. And if, if you're here and you're the person that needs somebody with a little more skin on him, then, I mean, this song is for you too because there are people here that want to be that for you. So if we could play that song. I read that Jesus walked a stormy sea and he pulled Peter up, said, man, you gotta believe me. And he 
shared with his disciples. Said, "Here's how to be free if you ask me." I'd say most days I totally agree, but right now I can't pray. I don't feel like talking to God. I need somebody out there with a little skin on them. Some of you are listening to that song and you're saying, that's, that's me. That's exactly how I feel today. Like I'm caught between faith and doubt. And I don't know if I'm ever going to find my way out of here. And some of you are listening to that song this morning and people's faces are coming into your mind. That you know who are caught between faith and doubt. And maybe, just maybe, the best gift you could give to somebody this Christmas is to be somebody with a little more skin on who can help them find a clear understanding of who God is by just being with them. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, thank you for coming and pitching your tent. Jesus, thank you for coming and moving into the guest bedroom. This world needed you 
so desperately. And we still need you. We need grace. We need truth. We need a clear understanding of who the Father is. So Jesus, come and uh, be God with us again. Jesus, many of us have such a clear vision of people who are just stuck between faith and doubt. And I pray, Lord, for each of us that know those people. Jesus, will you open up doors of opportunity for us to give them the gift of presence and to give them uh, a glimmer into who you are? Will you just give us opportunities, Lord, to minister and to be on mission and love deeply and and, uh, just miraculous interactions, Lord, that you would give us opportunities for. And Jesus, right now, as we, as we just take a few more moments to pray, I ask you, Lord, to just flood this place, Lord, with your presence. And those of us that are sitting in this room right now, personally stuck between faith and doubt, Lord, I pray that you will change us from the inside out and maybe even tip us over that edge into faith and less doubt. Now, while nobody's looking around, I I would love to have the opportunity this morning to pray with you personally. If you're one of those people that just is struggling today and you need a clear understanding of who God is, you You need Jesus with skin on. Maybe you need a human being to just give you a hug. I don't know. Or maybe you just need to know Jesus. You need a connection with Jesus today. I I probably can't explain all your questions away in the next five minutes. I probably can't solve all of your problems. But I'll tell you what, I will pray with you right now and ask Jesus to come and change your world. And if you want to be one of those people that I pray for this morning, there were four in first service. And I just kind of have a hunch there's probably a bunch more here. If you want me to pray with you right now, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Just, I'm just going to pray with you right where you are. But if you want to be one of those, would you raise your hand real high right where you are? Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, all over the room. Yep. Cool. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray? Okay, let's pray. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Come right now. Every one of us, Lord, this morning that indicated that there's a disconnect somewhere. Jesus, will you come and meet us right here? Uh, We sang that song just before we took a break this morning, Lord, asking for a change from the inside out. I want to pray that, Lord, for every one of my friends this morning that raised their hands. Jesus, will you somehow give us a fresh revelation, a, a miraculous revelation, Jesus, of who you are? And Jesus, will you also do us this incredible thing? Will you miraculously arrange relationships to emerge that will help us to know you better?
Jesus, people that have skin on that can represent you well. Will you just lead us to those people that can help us change from the inside out? And Jesus, we just, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this in your name today. Amen. Amen.